I have spoken. Thank you for tuning in to Talking Bay 94, the Star Wars podcast devoted to interviews with the cast, crew, and creators of a galaxy far, far away. I'm your host, Brandon Winerdy, and today I'm talking to Misty Rosas, performance artist for everyone's favorite, Quill the Ugnaught from The Mandalorian. Misty's story is incredible, and her talent is unmatched, so I hope you enjoy her stories about getting the role, working on set, and listening to Nick Nolte's lines every night. This is Talking Bay 94, episode 84, Misty Rosas. I have spoken. Before even Star Wars, I always love talking about how you got involved with this impressive and varied career, like acting and stunts and writing and producing. What made you first want to get into the business? I think, I mean, from a young age, uh, my parents... They loved music. They loved shows on television. So, I mean, I was super young uh, when they all, you know, piled into the car to go see uh, Star Wars for the first time. Um, <laughs> I was with my family. And, I mean, it's way back in the day at the, you know, drive-in theater. And even though I didn't necessarily understand, you know, what was going on, I, I you could feel it. You could feel and energy and I remember the music and it was something bigger than with Star Wars for me personally it just feels it's like something really special like that has always inspired me literally from the time I was like two years old on so yeah I mean I started gymnastics when I was two and a half and with that um, there is a performance element in some ways I mean you're um, training and practicing these skills and these tricks, but then there's also the dance part of it. You know, right. I was trained, you know, as a dancer, we did ballet every morning, you know, as part of the floor routines and obviously some of the parts of your beam routine. So um, dancing and singing and shows and gymnastics, um, that was my entire childhood. So it's like, it wasn't necessarily all the performance art, but it was all these pieces that um, ultimately brought me into the film world. <laughs> right. No, I think that's so great because like you're saying, the gymnastics and then you lead in kind of being able to express your body in a very unique way. And I think that really has come a long way as we're talking. Yeah. Um, your early roles, even before film, right? I think it's so interesting. I was reading about Disneyland and being a performer yeah. there. And now, you know, all this time later, doing the performance capture for, for Queel, it's kind of similar, I feel like. I wonder what your experiences were then and, and how that's kind of impacted you even now. Oh, for sure. Um, just um, when I, you know, I just, I didn't even know I was at college and uh, a friend of mine that was in the dance performance uh, there, uh, she's like, you're so tiny, uh, you should audition for Disneyland, you know, to be in, in some of the character roles because they they dance as well. Right. And I was like, wait, what? What? <laughs> you can get paid to dance at <laughs> Disneyland? So she's like, yeah. Um, and so 
you know, and everything, I don't know, it just, there's sometimes there's often, I like to think of it as, you know, there's this journey that you're just on. So of course I, <laughs> right away, I somehow ended up going for an interview, but it was to um, be, you know, part of the work staff at uh, the hotel. And I'm like, oh, no, that's not um, I'm trying to figure out, you know, how you audition or get into shows and parades. And the woman was really, really gracious and kind. And she just so happened, I guess, throughout the park, they um, handed, you know, different people um in you know in every aspect of the park even the hotel uh, they handed the flyers out for phantasmic auditions because mm. it's a big show um it was the first of its kind and um she's like okay well you know here's this flyer so um come going on this is something you can audition for is that cool um so yeah that was my first audition and ever <laughs> um that was 18 and uh it was just fun. You know, I mean, I learned choreography and then you go out there and um, even though it was my first audition, it was, you know, it's not wasn't my first time being out in front of a zillion people because mm -hmm. I don't know. I just remember there being probably at least 300 other performers, you know, that were there watching. But it's just that's nothing that wasn't new for me. Um, being an elite gymnast. I mean, you're right. out there in the arena and it's just full of people. And in a moment, you have to go out and do your thing. So it just felt like that. And um, yeah, so that was my first, very first professional role was um, the Fantasmic Show at Disneyland. So That's yeah. awesome. That mm -hmm. is incredible. Well, because again, like we're, we're, we're leading into Mandalorian because I feel like everything that you've done until then kind of has built and built and built to then be able to be comfortable and like kind of create a character yeah. like this. And then you move from Disneyland and then start working in film. And it stuck out to me with Congo, especially that yes. you were working under Stan Winston costumes, mm -hmm. right? And like a heavy yeah. thing. It's like you're, you're yeah. already training for this as it is. I'd be curious what your experience was there and, and how that all kind of came together. Yeah. Um, it was, again, it's just one of those things that, um, you know, I just happened to know the right people and be at the right place at the right time. Um, the coach that I trained under as an elite gymnast, the production, uh, was looking all over the United States for uh, people to do this role because it was very, very specific. Mm -hmm. um, you needed to be under five feet, I'm four nine, and you had to have extreme upper body strength. Right. Um, basically extreme strength period. And so they're like, well, that's gymnast. Right. So um, he called me knowing that I had been doing uh, this, you know, costume work and stuff at Disneyland. And he's like, I don't know what this is for, but you, you know, just go out for it. I was like, okay. So uh, yeah. Um, so I met um, Peter Elliott and John Alexander. They're, you know, some of the originators of what is called guerrilla uh -huh. artist work. <laughs> um, and it was a series of, you know, three auditions. The first one was all about um, seeing if really you, you could do what you said, which is, you know, show us your strongest skills. Like, you know, give us a, an idea of how much upper body strength right. you have. So I did like press to handstands, <laughs> which I'm training now, but I don't think I could do that ever again. <laughs> it's like, had takes so much strength over body strength, just like strength everywhere. Um, so uh, we did 
showed them that. And then they brought arm extensions as, as mm-hmm. well. And, um, you know, they had us walk and right. run um, quadruped to see if you had the coordination and ability to do that. And of course, um, as a gymnast, you're on your hands as much as you're on your feet. So it was just like, that was fun. So then the second audition was combining that with acting, you know, and uh, they gave us a couple scenarios and it's just, you're either, you either want to be there and you just give it 110% of, you know, sheer terror (laughs) as they're like coming at you and you're screaming and then give it 110% of showing how much power and aggression you could have and charge at them right. while in quadruped. <laughs> so I made that cut. And then the third audition um, was actually at Stan Winston Studios. And that was just, I mean, it, it was just even a thrill to um, go there because they had just come off of right. um, Jurassic Park and Interview with a Vampire. So I, I walked through his, it's like, it was the, um, it was like a meeting room, but it was this special room that had casts and stuff. So wow, it's like yeah. the dinosaurs and these full body uh, mannequins of Tom Cruise and um, Brad Pitt in there. interview with a vampire and I was just like (laughs) (laughs) so it was just cool to be there and then we got introduced to Stan and he watched our auditions and then as they say the rest is history (laughs) I love it I love it uh actually I just maybe it was a couple years ago Terry Notary came into town and Jason can attest he was the one that did the performance capture for Planet of the Apes and was doing it like that but he did a class where he's like, if you want to learn how to walk like an ape, like we did, yeah. you can. And so I was the volunteer and I was terrible at it. So I, I know firsthand how, how tough that must be, you know, working with the extensions and uh, moving past that then to not only just being an artist like that requires, but then stunt work. That's another huge part of your career. How did you transition to that? How did you work in tandem with that? And are there any stunts or roles that stick out to you now looking back through all of that 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 you're the most proud of? I mean, again, it just kind of my whole childhood basically prepared me for this career. I met a lot of the artists that were the great gorillas in Mm -hmm. Congo uh, we're also stuntmen, and um, and I also did all of the stunt work and stuff for Amy. Mm-hmm. Um, so I met the stunt coordinator, I met the assistant stunt coordinator, and <laughs> all of the stuntmen and the stuntwomen and stuff on there. And it just kind of, it was just an easy shift as soon as Congo was done into that work as well. And, you know, it was all kind of um, happening all at the same time, just auditioning for other jobs i mean this is such a unique type of role so like i've only been i've been a gorilla three times um but you know there's always with dan winston studios but now legacy effects i always come in and work with them because we've built a, a rapport after a long time of you know working together on these different projects and these different characters we just know each other really well there's one I shared recently, like I didn't, uh, I mean, the clip is kind of, it's on my reel, but it was fun because it was, um, again, a combination of being a character as well as just getting to do some really fun stunts, but it was for Room 6, um, mm-hmm. and it's the scene where 
uh, Christine Taylor's characters in the church and everything goes dark. And then it was a little old woman and uh, she comes towards her and, you know, it's uh, taken on and a demon has basically taken over. And that was me. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, I turn around and just terrorize her and fly all over the church and I'm in prosthetic makeup. And it was the first time I was in the Solera um Mm -hmm. contacts which are the full eye contacts and they were all black so that was a trip to be in such a dark place and it's like just don't hit the pews don't hit the pews with your knees keep your knees (laughs) (laughs) down that was fun and then doing working with chad stahelski and his team on uh van helsing Mm. i've never done fire and i don't know when i go (laughs) When I decided to do something, I just go all the way and go big. And it did full body burn um, on a ratchet. So we did that uh, about six times. Incredible. That's crazy. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you mentioned legacy effects. And I'd love to now transition to how you first got involved with The Mandalorian. I would be curious if there was an audition process or how you first got kind of connected with the production. It was um, for a little while. And I mean, none of us, I, my agent, nobody... We didn't. We knew nothing about right. um, what they were asking for. I just, you know, I, there was a lot of back and forth with my agent about um, does she have a reel? You know, we need to see her work. And right. mind you, at the time, like I had done a, a sharp left hand turn into you know singing and songwriting right. and videos and and performing on stage. So <laughs> that part of my career. It's not like it was on the back burner, but it wasn't my focus. So I did not have an updated reel much to my poor agent. She like <laughs> had been asking and begging and asking my head, just my heart wasn't there. Um, so she kept sending them like these random clips. But that was not good. And I mean, knowing now what I didn't know then, like after all this was over, I did get all of my reels fixed and updated. Because <laughs> um, uh, then they finally did ask, um, you know, we would like to see her, you know, come in and read for us. So um, I went into Seraphin casting and I did a cold read with her. So, and again, I didn't know what I was auditioning for, but it was definitely Quill's dialogue. Um, and his scene, one of his scenes with Mando. And uh, yeah, and that's one of the moments too where, I don't know, for me what I've learned over time is the best thing you could possibly ever do in this life is to just uh, listen to your heart and lead with your heart. I had also, on top of everything else, at a certain point I was, I wanted to do, make sure that I was giving something back in the world. Mm -hmm. And uh, I had discovered yoga after um, the Country Bears movie. And my body was really Mm -hmm. beat up from stunts and suit work and stuff. And my puppeteer, Alice, introduced me to yoga. And I was just immediately hooked. And um, long story short, I started practicing in 2001. And obviously, I'm still practicing. And I started teaching in 2006. I teach Bikram yoga. And my mom's just very concerned. She's like, I don't know, at the height of your career, why you would want to just shut it down and take nine weeks off to do this teacher training thing. And it's just like, I don't know, mom, it's just, it feels right. It's something in my heart. And I want to, on my downtime from doing stuff, uh, be giving something back to people. Um, and in all honesty, the way I related with Quill, especially, you know, at first in my audition 
and my cold read was from my yoga journey and from a teaching place and from that wisdom place that, you know, he possesses from a lot of life experience. So, so yeah, you know, I mean, all the things that you do, um, I was just fortunate. Uh, they all kind of came together, um, for a quill. (laughs) No, that's incredible. And again, the the character, like in a a cast full of memorable characters from that season is still just like, even just I have spoken, right, has has transcended the show almost. And it's a (laughs) testament to that performance. And I mean, now to break down your work and, and kind of how much actual effort it took to kind of create that, I'd love to kind of focus on different elements, the first being the the costume itself, right? And you had a lot of experience working under a costume, but was there anything specifically when you were getting fitted, when you were working with Legacy that kind of impacted your performance or how did that kind of start taking shape for you? It's kind of everything. I mean, it was, uh, we didn't have a ton of time. I mean, Legacy, my puppeteering team with Jason and David and uh, Roderick, uh, we had literally, aside from the test day just you know one afternoon to kind of be in front of a mirror because we didn't have dialogue yet either so it was hard to go over the one scene that we did have um over and over and over um to kind of start to get a feel for moving together and I mean because it was Jason and David and Roderick and myself like on set too uh, usually the first few takes were a little wonky, you know, as mm-hmm. everybody's like blending and meshing and getting timing and I'm trying to hit marks and, you know, right. get a flow with, you know, Pedro and Brendan and Latif and, you know, right. and Mando. I have, I've kind of had a lifetime of this work leading up to this. I've been doing a lot of work with the Jim Henson company um, on Sid the Science Kid and Word Party and same thing. In real time, uh, you're creating these characters with a puppeteer, with yourself, and, you know, blending and meshing them together into one. So um, it just, you know, it kind of, it's different. I mean, I haven't been in a practice practical suit like this in a long right. time. And I remember uh, John Rosengrant put me in it. Um, and there's, you know people so many people in the shop from everybody that was creating the molds and the 3d models and you know the suit and you know hair tech like all of it it's just this incredible and i um the village at legacy effects that never went to set with us but um put me in the suit which was good um and i walked around with him you know said thank you to everybody as this character that's great i love that (laughs) But I was also like, oh, this is heavy. So, um, yeah. you know, I was like, okay, you need to up your game with all of right. your training at home. Because <laughs> um, he was he was, he was, was heavy. So Yeah. <laughs> it's incredible. I, I really, I, I'm glad that more and more of the stories from Legacy Effects are coming out. Because mm-hmm. the work that kind of had to go into all of this is so incredible. Well, moving to then going on set in costume, figuring out this character. Again, there are so many elements involved. Nick Nolte's voice, of course, that you had to perform against. Um, and then also working in the volume, I think, is, is a singular experience that not a lot of actors have done before. And I'd be curious, with all those things combined, how that impacted you, but also like how that might have grown the character even beyond just being on a blue screen and getting the voice dubbed over later. I was really, really fortunate and um, super grateful to John Favreau and 
Dave Filoni. I'm sure they made a decision because uh, I didn't have his voice at my at our first screen test, but that's something that was really important, you know, to have uh, his voice. Nick Nolte is, as you know, brilliant. Um, right. So just it made that part of my job on set so much easier. Like it's just trying to, sometimes I would get his, uh, his tracks the night before uh, and I would just spend as much time as possible, just like falling asleep, listening to uh, the way he would say things. And, you know, he gave me a gift of giving us multiple takes and a different tone and a different punch of certain words. So you know, when we were on set, kind of seeing and getting a feel for the dynamic and the flow of the scene um, after rehearsal and stuff, we, I would run over to our puppeteer station and, um, you know, listen to all the dialogue. And then we would choose what we felt was the right tone for each line. Mm-hmm. And then David would super fast, I don't know how he did it, like cut everything together. Um, the director would come over and have a listen to and then we'd be ready <laughs> and then go and, and add that to everything else. So, uh, yeah, the volume, it was, it was really, it was really special. It was just, <laughs> there wasn't any extra imagination part right. that you had to do. It was, it was there. Everybody was there. So right. yeah, the only one that was really challenging for me and I was a little nervous about, I was like, I hope it, I hope it turned out well was, um, uh, you know, IG 11. There were some times when, uh, Rio who was in this, the green suit was there with me, uh-huh. but there were many times that he wasn't. And I'm just like <laughs> acting <laughs> and nothing on the volume. I'm just like, ah, <laughs> okay. especially right. when he, you know, picks up the box and he smushes one of my the little creatures. <laughs> and I like kind of do like a, you know, adult. Right. <laughs> so, but I, you know, I was really, really happy when I saw that. I was like, okay, that was funny. Yeah, oh, that's great. <laughs> <I got a laugh. laughs> you mentioned directors and you're in a position where, of course, it was John Favreau kind of overseeing. And we actually just talked to Emily Swallow, the armor, who I was in a similar position where you worked with multiple visionaries during your yes. three episodes, right? You had Filoni, you had Deborah Chow, and you had uh, Rick. And be curious yeah. how your experience shifted with working with each of them, how it was cohesive, and kind of your your experience bringing a character to life with, with three, you know, incredible directors. Oh, all of them, they're all incredibly, incredibly, they're just kind and gracious, and they all came prepared. Um, yeah, I mean, my first director was Dave. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he's just... And I'm grateful because he's so, you know, easygoing and just everything's going to be fine. <laughs> and like, you know, and I needed that because, you know, our, the very first day of shooting, um, the very first shot up was me and Mando. And wow. it was one of Will's longer, you know, monologues about what is happening. It was us on the blurg. And, you know, I came in super prepared. I was like off book with my lines and, you know, standing there, you know, with him. It's like, okay, let's <laughs> let's just read through the, you know, um, the scene right. and stuff and trying to just know that, you know, because I've done it in the past and I've 
did it, especially as a gymnast, where I'd get so nervous that I would just ruin everything. Like it just your nerves are just made everything fall apart. So it's just like, I don't want to do that. I want to be just come and be prepared. And all you can ever do is just know what you're doing and why and what you're saying and why and and then let it go, let it go, let it go and just feel and be. So um, I was just, you know, really proud to, to, you know, be battling those nerves yeah. and things like that. Just do my thing. I mean, um, trust for once in my life right. that I uh, have enough experience <laughs> all of these years to come in and deliver something, you know, right. so and it was really cool. It was really special. I mean, I think we only, we did probably that whole first scene. I mean, it probably only took us maybe like 30 minutes, 45. Right. And that was my first day. <laughs> and they're like, okay, you're wrapped. <laughs> like what? So That's yeah, awesome. it was cool. And not only was that the first day of shooting, that was also Dave Filoni's first day of live action directing yes. too. So yes. Yeah. And he's like, I remember, I think it was one of, it was the DP or something, I guess, who came out to him and was like, we need to go, we need to go. <laughs> He's like, what, why, you know, because he's always been inside right. and he's like, we're chasing the sun. We're chasing the sun. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> he's like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> he's really sweet. So yeah, he was just um, really <laughs> just fun and light. Right. We shot, it's, you know, because it was an important moment sure. when it's the first time you meet Quill, you know, after he uh, shoots one of his blurgs right. with the tranquilizer dart right. and he you know walks up and you're introduced to him for the first time um we shot that a few times you mm -hmm. know because they wanted to make sure that they got it just right and it was like i think the third time through and he's like well we're here one more time <laughs> and he's like it's cool right. you know this is an important moment and i want it i want people to you know connect with him and like him so um, let's see. So Rick, uh, same thing. Rick is quiet force that, you know, is constantly thinking about everything and how it's all tying together. And he gave us a lot of freedom to kind of, you know, have fun with it. And to, mm -hmm. um, <laughs> I remember the poor guy, like one night I was working with Brendan and, you know, I mean, obviously our lines ultimately, you know, they're not ours talking, but as the characters, well, mine, you know, Nick Nolte was there, but they were going to finesse that later. But he has to do dialogue with me. <laughs> Sometimes, like, I knew it, like, because I had to know it. I had to know his lines, too. Right. Um, and, like, he just was tired. I was tired. And you know, he forgot a line, and he just started laughing. And I'm saying, is that And so, and just, it was one of those moments of we got the giggles. <laughs> you know, Rick didn't care. He was just laughing, too. And he's like, all right, guys, let's, you know. <laughs> give you a moment let's try this again right. and just we thought it's hilarious it's like oh i'm gonna get fired <laughs> <laughs> so you know but yeah just um he's cool because he he allowed so much kind of i think lightness and freedom that there were these moments that you wouldn't necessarily catch if it wasn't so he's just like you know the scene you know what you're doing find those other little moments too right. like um the scene when we roll up to um, have the meeting with the Jawas mm -hmm. and they're upset because he's, you know, been shooting them and um, I'm telling him to, you have to remove all your weapons. Right. And it's like, 
including the blaster. And like, I just throw them a look that they didn't, you know, just, it wasn't obviously scripted. It was just like that moment of (laughs) behave. So, you know, just things like that happened with him. And then with Deb, um, she was cool because she was a little more um, hands-on with um, wanting certain angles and stuff. And, you know, she would come running in after every, you know, take, every scene and just really hands-on. She was fun because I had a lot of scenes with the baby with her because <laughs> like, I love the baby, obviously. Right. And I would always, like, try to get a, <laughs> a touch in or something and she'd always... <laughs> Remember, you're a grumpy old man. <laughs> you don't like the baby. Don't touch the baby. It's like, I promise I won't. <laughs> so, but, you know, in the moment, it was just like, <laughs> you don't like the baby that much. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. I promise. So that was, yeah, they were all just, yeah, if you, you just go in and you know your work and you go in prepared and then you just have an opportunity to be in the moment and, and create with them. So incredible yeah. yeah that i mean and of course it shows in the final product and mm. i mean moving away from mando briefly uh if only to talk about your other projects and your other incredible stuff that you're doing i'd be curious you brought up jim henson and you, you know traditional costume work like quill and then moving to like motion work and capture like you do with jim henson company mm-hmm. for said the science kid for award party what different challenges do both of those methods bring and what kind of have you been learning on that job and kind of figuring out for yourself motion capture it took me a while to because uh there's no camera in front of you it's in virtual space so you know and i didn't understand like there's the grid up above you a 360 degree grid um that is Mm -hmm. capturing all your motion um and then we stream as the character up on these big screens all around and then you know, again, virtually, <laughs> there's a camera and it's like, I don't understand. It's like, well, look straight into lens. And, you know, and I've learned too that, you know, especially with motion capture, the closer it gets, the more offset you get. So you have to like, you know, shift with it. You know, I think with the Jim Henson company and getting to do those characters as we've also, I've been fortunate to get to work with Brian Henson a lot on yeah. different test pilots and um, just had, have had the best time. Like we got to do one, you know, and I don't think it's going to go, but it was with Billy Crystal. And I was just like, Ooh, like it was just <laughs> literally my character. Uh, she was a, a witch and, you know, she was auditioning. So for something and <laughs> right. I'm there with Billy Crystal and he's reading with me and we're doing this whole, you know, scene. And I just, uh, it was like Billy and, and Brian. And again, it's one of those moments like stay calm, you know, and just right. do your work. And, and it was just really fun. It's just, you get to do, especially at the Jim Henson Company, you know, I get to dance um, as these characters. And even in that test pilot, there's this like, he's like, okay, we're going to go into the dance part. And I'm just like, Dah! you know, I'm just <laughs> doing all these goofy comedic things that are total anti-dance of warming up like shoulders and things. And then um, I show, I auditioned like modern dance into, and I just, I'll never forget. And I'll probably, you know, cause it was always a secret. <laughs> it was at the time that Hamilton had just come out 
And um, I'm one of those weird people that I'm not, I'm like Danny Elfman. When I heard this, I was like, Um, I don't like musicals, Uh but I love music and, you know, dancing just not necessarily together. So I didn't know anything about Hamilton. And um, he's like, okay, this time, you know, at the end of it, because there was like this rap section, he's like, just try to do something from Hamilton. I'm like, okay. And in my head, I'm like, what's Hamilton? <laughs> and I was like, I'm not going to ask Billy Crystal that. So I was like, can you give me a second? And like, I was like, you know, turn off my mic. And then I ran to my puppeteer, Donna Kimball. And, and I was like, turn off your mic. <laughs> and she, I was like, what's Hamilton? And she's like, started laughing. And was like, I'm sorry, I don't know musicals. And uh, she's like, oh, I was like, he wants me to do something from Hamilton. I don't understand. What's that mean? And she's like, just do hip hop. I was like, okay, got it. <laughs> and uh, yeah, did hip hop for him. The difference between the two there are a lot of things that are not there uh, for, you know, jobs like Sid Science Kid and Word Party. There's We have a lot of um, PVC pipes out uh-huh. there that kind of are markers and then we duct tape marks. So you do have to take a lot of time and watch the monitors up there really quickly to make sure you're touching things and different camera angles um it looks like you're touching things and it doesn't look like you're touching things sometimes so yeah there's a lot of stuff that you have to do more to create the idea that it's it's there too um and then getting to work uh in tandem with my puppeteers is always yeah that was super important for then coming on to the mandalorian and then the mandalorian it's back to practical uh suits which suddenly you're 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 not able to breathe well and it's really really heavy and so you know you have to i would have to conserve my energy constantly um in order to you know to handle that job like i usually am light and bubbly and um always kind of not screwing around but having fun with the other you know castmates and stuff but on this one i knew um, that every moment I just had to just be calm because uh, Quill took like a thousand percent all the time. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, you, you mentioned music and you're obviously talking about dancing and how that's been such a force in your life. And I'd love to talk even briefly about your music career and your music videos, especially I loved the panic button music video. I thought that was oh, great. Like how, how has that kind of been an outlet for you or how has that been a, a tandem part of your you know career and are there any upcoming projects or things that you're excited about in terms of of your music that you would love people to know about um well music again i mean i didn't know why i was always drawn to it um but you know again my parents are i grew up on their music which is you know the standards it's like Dean Martin, The Righteous Brothers, Johnny Mathis, who else? Engelbert Humperdinck, you know, but also fun ones like Jimmy Buffett and the Bee Gees and stuff. So music was with me from the beginning of time. Um, And then I more recently, a few years ago, I found out that, you know, and he's since passed, unfortunately, but um, his name was Rick Roses. Uh, One of my cousins was, you know, one of the best bass players in the business. Um, And, you know, he toured with um, 
Neil Young, you know, and just was uh-huh. like, there's pictures of him backstage with the Rolling Stones and stuff. I was wow, like, incredible. ah, so, you know, and then <laughs> I also had seen a picture of my family. It's um, my extended family on my dad's side. And it's, you know, in black and white, you know, I don't even, we don't really know who these people are, um, but they all have guitars. So it's like, okay, now I get it. You know, music really, really has been in my family. Mm-hmm. Like it's rooted. I started my journey because of my audition for Sid the Science Kid. Uh, they mm-hmm. had me sing at my audition. I didn't get that role because Donna Kimball is a singer and her role was actually that character. So uh, but then, you know, that's how I met my record producers. And we wow. started in 2009. And uh, I have a brand new song that I'm hoping to record. We'll see um, with safety and stuff. It's usually it's just me right. and my two record producers in this one little private recording studio. But hopefully next week, if everything feels safe. Oh, wow. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's just what I do. Again, it's for me, singing and songwriting and stuff is more about just following my heart and being yeah. an artist, being a creative. My thing with the songs that I've written is that, you know, even as just a, a listener of music and stuff too, I've been inspired by the songs that different artists have written and sung. And, you know, if I can inspire someone, you know, even with Panic Button or something of, you know, uh, trusting your heart and um, not pressing that when you get really scared and you get really nervous, um, you know, trust why you're doing it and trust that those nerves uh, are because you care. You know, you actually really care a lot. That's why you're so nervous. So for me, it's just more about putting messages out there of, right. you know, like hope and inspiration and love. A lot of people in my life have passed and writing about them and continuing their legacy. So that's why I wrote Only Love is Forever for two of my best friends. And and yeah, I just, I mean, I'm an artist, so I wanted to... I think share those parts of me. I knew like it just felt right because it was scary um, doing Panic Button and really exposing all of the things about myself that, you know, other people also, you know, because they've, you know, approached me about it feel and have just said, thank you. You know, I didn't know that about you. And uh, it's something that I have feared and felt too. So thank you for sharing that. So yeah, that's, all that that's about. <laughs> I love it. No, that's so great. And I think, I mean, even leading into my final question, which is kind of a wrap up, because now with Queel, I think you've spent the majority of your career being, you know, behind a mask and being part of bringing this larger characters to life. But now, especially with like working in Star Wars, of course, it comes with fans and autographs mm-hmm. and all that stuff. And now like the world is getting to know like Mysterios <laughs> is not only through music, but through just signing autographs. And I'd be mm-hmm. curious how that's, impacted you or how you've kind of felt kind of coming into a Star Wars community and and what that experience has been yeah um it's very new you know I I have spent pretty much my whole career underneath suits and um on a motion capture stage creating these characters but and I really um I was not expecting to have a a credit you know so I thank Colin and you know Kathleen Kennedy and Dave and John for they didn't have to do that you know they 
right. you know, I, I was underneath the suit. Nick Nolte, that's, you know, his voice and stuff. So the fact that they give me that credit, um, it kind of took me aback <laughs> at the premiere. I was just like, oh, you know, my best friend and roommate oh, yeah. was next to me. And I was, he's like, no, get your name. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, my God. It was like, you know, I'm getting totally, you know, teary-eyed because, yeah, um, not expecting that. And then right. it was like immediate um, someone from, I think, Italy <laughs> found <like laughs> a picture of me on the Internet and then put Quill next to it. And it's like, this is, you know, the person in the costume. So it was just like kind of, you know, uh, that was immediate. And then this nice slow roll of people kind of, you know, finding out. <laughs> um, yeah. So it's been fun. Like it's the star Wars fans are super, super kind and very just, yeah, they're nice people. <laughs> like I've enjoyed, <laughs> you know, kind of saying hello to everybody and trying to keep up and give right. everybody hearts. <laughs> so um, <laughs> I haven't met anybody yet because of, you know, the pandemic and everything and being mm -hmm. mindful and respectful um, sure. and trying to wait that out. Uh, but I do look forward to meeting people, hopefully, hopefully next year. So, yeah. <laughs> well, it was great to meet you virtually and great to hear your story and talk to you. And thank you for your time, Missy. This was such a treat. Of course. Thank you so much. This was really, really fun. So. Thank you again to Miss Rosas for coming on to the show and being such a delight. Make sure you're following her on Instagram at Miss Misty Rosas. Upcoming interviews include pre-production legend David Dozeritz, the geniuses at Blind Limited, and author of the Glove of Darth Vader series, Paul Davids. And this was a secret, but starting next week, We'll be doing live video recap shows for The Mandalorian every Friday night, partnering with our friends at Scener. More info to come, but I cannot wait to share this with you. Until next week, stay tuned, leave a five-star review, and may the Force be with you.